Hi, everyone. My name is Mark Kondrat, and this is the Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. I connect with people behind some of the coolest breweries, distilleries, and restaurants to share their stories. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and hopefully, if I'm lucky, you'll enjoy the podcast enough to share with others. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Hey, everybody. This Let's Meet for a Beer series is sponsored by our friends at Brightside. I have a question for you. What pairs well with beer? The answer, the Brightside banking app. Brightside by ATB is a free banking app that helps you do more, like enjoying more craft beer, for example. We've brewed up this episode with Brightside, where we will be talking to one of their friends with benefits. Yes, you heard that correctly. You earn extra savings every time you spend at one of their local friends with benefit partners when you use the free Brightside spend card. From great breweries to coffee shops to local shops to even more awesome breweries, they've got tons of friends where you can get some extra savings each time you spend locally. The Brightside app is fully digital and you can get started in minutes for free. Download Brightside in the Apple or Google Play stores. And listen up, all beer lovers. If you use code BEER, that's spelled B-E-E-R, when you sign up, you get $10 in your bucket. That's code BEER to get $10 that you can spend on beer if you want. So kind of a no-brainer. Okay, welcome back to the Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. I'm here with almost the entire gaggle of the Dandy Brewing Company. I have Derek, Matt, and Ben with me. How are you guys doing? Great. Good, good, good. good. Okay, this is going to be a lot of heavy questions. It'll probably be a lot of crying. I remember the first time around. It really... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's go back to the origins, the origin story. So what were you guys doing before dandy. Matt, I, I think I have an idea of what you were doing, but let's start with you, Derek. What were you doing? Yeah, so I had uh, finished a degree in chemistry at University of Victoria and uh, moved back to Calgary. And yeah, stagnating a little bit, kind of trying to look for some work in chemistry, working at restaurants and stuff like that. So nothing of too much significance, but... Okay. And then Matt, you were with co-op, is I that right? I was, yeah. I was uh, district manager for all of the uh, North Calgary liquor stores for co-op. And out of town too. I had Strathmore and Airdrie, so that sounds like a like a good job in terms of like a fairly safe conservative job. And I would imagine for me, wow. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I mean, like, was it was it scary giving that up to to? Oh man, to are you kidding? From- that was that was insane. I, I people ask like what the hardest part of starting a brewery was, and I always say like it was convincing my wife that leaving a job of sixteen years to yeah. uh, to kind of you know, dive in with these guys would be a good idea. Yeah. That was a d- difficult part. <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't have told my wife. I yeah. would have just like done it and then had her find out and then I'd been like, what? I thought you knew that. <laughs> it was we, so yeah. weird because like literally the same conversation. I was like, yeah, so Ben's got this idea and I'm really into it, you know? And she's like, yeah, uh-huh, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, oh, perfect. <laughs> it's always <laughs> about like, her, hey? Yeah, yeah. See how she flips <laughs> this around? Yeah, it's yeah, always exactly. about her, yeah. So I'm like, all right, there's, uh, you know, things come in threes, so. That's hilarious. <laughs> two's down in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> and then Benjamin, what about you? I was a teacher. A teacher? What did you teach? I taught uh, junior high and high school social studies and English. So, again, pretty stable pretty, job. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, you know, get up, work all week, go home on the weekends. Yeah. 
Okay. So how did you guys all meet then? And then with Dylan as well, how did the four of you guys meet? I always say we all knew Ben. He kind of brought us all together. Yeah. Derek and I uh, went to high school together. So, uh, and then sort of split off, kept in touch, but sort of split off after high school. Matt's wife is my wife's cousin. So we met through our wives and family functions. It was awkward. Yeah. (laughs) So we became, I think, better friends than cousins, in-laws. Right. Well, he still laughs at your jokes. I know. (laughs) um, Which I found impressive when I got here. We had the best times. Yeah. And then Dylan, so I had moved back to Montreal and then came back to Calgary and was working in kitchens as well. And that's where I met uh, Dylan, was working in kitchens. And then, yeah, we, Dylan and I were homebrewing together for a few years prior to the brewery. Matt was drinking it. And then when Derek moved back to town, uh, he wanted to homebrew too and started homebrewing with us. So sort of the four of us, yeah, came together. Brent, beer, ben had this like harebrained idea, brought it to us on one night. And this was the first time I, I met Derek. And I literally shook hands, said, nice to meet you. And then Ben's like, the four of us should start a brewery. You know, after a few beers, it was like, yeah, we should. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, man. Okay, so because having four people involved from an ownership perspective seems like a challenge. So why, Ben, I guess, did you think that the four of you collectively would make the best team? I think everyone had had strengths, like... In different areas, like obviously Derek coming with a science background, scientific method, and just knowing how to make sure everything's sort of done right. Scientific background of what's happening, super solid. I think especially startup breweries don't always have that sort of side of it. And that was really important. Matt, obviously with his background in sales and sort of knowing that side of the business, the retail side of the business, which... I especially and Dylan had had no idea of. And then, I mean, Dylan was a chef working in some of the best restaurants in Calgary at that time. And his palate was crazy good. And, and we were homebrewing together. So it just seemed like, why go it alone? And we can all sort of come together and bring our strengths together and, and do something even better. So then when you guys get involved, how do you define each other's role? So Derek, did you, you went to old college. So is it, was that, once you guys started the brewery yeah, that you went? Very awkwardly as we were starting the so brewery. So what was the reason behind that? Was it just to get the depth of knowledge in brewing there? Yeah, like I'm the type of guy that likes to have a good understanding of, you know, new ventures I'm getting into. And I had the background in chemistry, but not a lot of beer-specific knowledge. So we were thinking of starting the brewery. So I thought I would do the program. And so we they start the program off with a trip to Yakima, Washington. And that's when Get everybody sold. nice and drunk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah team building. That's what it's called in the industry. And yeah. uh, I got a text from the guys, like first day we sold our beer, I was down there just at the beginning of the program. So uh, yeah, it was really fun. I was the second class to go through the program. Yeah. It's still fairly new, but yeah, there's been more through now. So so then how do you guys, so you're a chemist who's obviously educated in brewing. Dylan's Obviously, clearly a very good brewer. And then, Ben, what was your role then? Still trying to figure that yeah, out. Still, so, I don't know. I show up every day. <laughs> just, I, I, I feel like it's like, you know, when there's like, say you're on a hockey team, it's always kind of like the worst player that organizes the team. So then he gets a spot on the team. So if you weren't responsible for organizing this, you would be cut from the team. Is that fair to say? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I start, when, I, when we started, I was brewing and then had my kid so that I also had a child very early on. Yeah. And I would say I was the first one to answer the phone and then sort of got stuck sort of answering emails, answering the phones. So 
Yeah. So you both had kids very early on in the process. I had kids while I was building the beer festivals. What do you think? Because I think if you look at it, it's like, oh man, it's impossible to juggle having kids and doing this. But for me, I found that in business and in, in what I do, it helped actually with clarity and that you define quickly what's priority and what's not priority. And you don't really piss around with things that aren't of priority. You learn a ton about yourself yeah. like, <laughs> as a person, right? Like yeah. it, uh, the stress involved, just like on all fronts, you know, you learn, you learn a lot about yourself. I did. Yeah, 100%. I think, I definitely think the sort of prioritizing is it. Like everything is important. You have essentially when you're starting the business, two new children mm-hmm. and it's, you know, yeah. As, as same as if you had regular kids, you can't choose one over the other. Although I choose my children. You're not allowed, if my to, wife uh, <laughs> you're not allowed to say it aloud. Yeah. That's for sure. No, but you know, yeah, trying to work it every day and and make sure that you're some days organized. Are, some days better than others, yeah, easier yeah. than others. But I mean, okay. I agree 100. percent You know, like making sure my cats are fed on time while, while still making sure I'm at, at oh, work you're a and getting everything done. You yeah, you're free so. to go then. <laughs> um, Okay, so then the question is, so you guys come together, you have this idea to start a brewery, but ultimately, why did you start the brewery? Did you look at the market and see that there was an opportunity that wasn't being addressed or why did you ultimately decide? Because it took sacrifice from all of you guys to do it. Yeah, I think we saw like the law change was such a huge thing to happen in Alberta at the end of 2013 there. And I think we all were at this position in our careers and lives that if it didn't work, we were still young enough to go back to what we were doing and have long, happy careers doing that sort of thing. And even with like the law change and all the buzz that sort of came with that, we didn't see a lot of people doing, I think, what we wanted to do, like a smaller brewery making a little more eccentric styles and and having a little more fun and, and keeping it really close. It seemed like a lot of the breweries that were opening with the law change were still quite large and still quite sort of, yeah, making similar styles and right. stuff like that. And so, sorry, just to clarify for dummies like myself, when you say the law change, you're referring to the amount of beer that a brewery had to produce annually. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So up until December 2013, you had to produce 5,000 hectoliters a year to get your license. And that's a, that's a pretty hefty operation to start with. So that's why as the rest of North America was sort of booming with craft breweries, lots of other cities... Alberta was sort of here with Big Rock and Wild Rose and Alley Cat and Village came on in 2013 and but they were you know had to start pretty big. Okay so I kind of broke this down into dandy number one and then dandy number two. I don't know if that's accurate from your perspective but we're going based on my perspective. Sounds good. No that's good. Um, We call it dandy one and two. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I think about it too. Back in the good old days. So dandy one. Okay so Derek, I'll ask you this, the name Dandy, because <laughs> from an outsider's perspective, it might come across as a pretentious hipster name. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I thought it had a... I'm just kidding. But where does it come from? Like, what's the idea behind it? So it's funny you ask me, because I was the only one of the four that was dead against it for the longest time yeah. until I realized... Yeah, he's the pretentious <laughs> hipster. <Yeah. laughs> That's the irony there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of explain it and Ben can sort of correct if I make any mistakes, but Ben, you know, he studied English lit and a cultural anthropology out of Concordia. 
versus me being more of the science side. So when him and Dylan started brewing together, they started getting creative with their names and they found they were naming them after, you know, dandies, you know, Oscar Wilde, Mild and some other kind of cool names. So that was kind of their home brewers, you know, dream brewery name. You know, Matt was soft, so he was okay with it. And then I just thought, you know, I didn't think it would fly that well in the province, but I've really done a full 180 and, uh, <laughs> and uh yeah it really opened up to you and it lends itself to some cool marketing and like fun themes and so and, once you realized you didn't have voting share in the yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like okay you know what guys i'm cool with that name good because yeah, yeah. that's what we were going with but what does dandy mean yeah so a dandy is someone who's who's driven by their own interests and own passions so they're not bound by style or fashion or trends so when we were starting the brewery and we wanted to make sort of these wackier beer styles and stuff, it really seemed to fit because, you know, that was at the time that there was a, an arms race in IPAs for IBUs and, and everything. And you walk into a beer stores and just be a wall of heavy hitting IPAs. And we, yeah, we launched with an English brown and an oyster stout and we made a steam beer pretty much right away. And, you know, we really were taking sort of the dandy approach to the way we were brewing so I, I was gonna ask you that so what were the core beers or did you guys have core beers to start with and and what were they it was a big debate in the beginning whether we would have core beers the very first beer was the gbd the golden brown dandy so english style yeah pale ale and then the second one was the stout which is still part of our core lineup today with small size of our brewery we were able to mess around with lots of different things but uh we hit market with those two beers from september until September of 2014 to until January of 2015. And then we had our first seasonal. So I'm always curious about the idea of, because I I get asked a lot as if I know the answer to this, but people ask about saturation in the market and stuff like that. But to me, it's interesting because there's so many different models of breweries you can have. So you guys came in as a nano brewery. So Matt, maybe just explain, first of all, like what is a nano brewery? And then what would you say looking back at that, kind of the pros and cons of, of having a nano brewery? Well, I think in Alberta, a huge pro with a nano brewery was that there wasn't a lot of <laughs> wasn't a lot of rules that were made. You know, uh, we I remember having conversations with uh, the AGLC, and they were talking like I I gave them a shout and said like we're thinking of using like these plastic fermenters, like these fermentation vessels. Like, are you guys before we like pay money for them? You guys okay, are you guys okay with it? And and I remember the AGLC Becky Barker at the time. She's just like. I don't know, Matt. I nobody's ever asked me this before, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. and I'm like, cool. She's like, I tell you what, you guys just get like AHS approval, and we'll uh, we'll we'll be cool with that. Cool. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, I, re- I remember Tori walking in from Original Four Zero Three. Yeah. He signed our license when he was with AGLC, and he signed it. And then he's like, I got I got to go take a look at the back. And I was like, Oh, like, is, do you have but to you've already signed it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. He's like. I have no idea based on what you wrote here, like what to expect. I just want to see what this size brewery or like what, what this is. And he just stood there looking around, just kind of like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) You guys know what you're doing. So uh, carry on. (laughs) He said that as a statement or as a question? Yeah, it's more of a statement. (laughs) Really? Wow. Good for, good for you. So obviously, and we'll talk about dandy number two in a second, but what were the cons? Like, did you see that there's, you could be a little bit more creative with the nano brewery, but did you see that there were some limitations and some restrictions based on having a nano brewery? 
volume, like just yeah, beers a volume game. And it was great when we were one of the only tasting rooms and we could sell all of it and people just coming to the tasting room and drinking it. But like we were a thousand square feet. We were constantly jamming in more little tiny fermenters. And you realize that there is a ceiling with the nano brewery at that size unless you're you know, situated well for it. Dylan yeah. always said, like Dylan always says still, like we didn't have to be good. We just had to be first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we kind of like with the law change. Well, and then, and then you're doing the math going, oh, you know what? If we all want to get paychecks, yeah, yeah. this is going to work. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, $50 a pint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was interesting about that time frame for you guys is I remember being at the national once, national on 17th in Calgary here, and you guys were doing a, a tap takeover. And I was just kind of like a little bit blown away by a, the sheer arrogance. No, <laughs> but like I'm, I was like, I'm like, I don't even get, and I can't remember which one of you I was asking about it, but I'm like, I don't even get how this is possible but like how can you have i don't know if any of you remember that night but yeah. how many beers did you have on tap 12. and how did you make it possible we had 12 different taps that was during the year we did 50 different beers in one year which it's a brilliant idea or 40 different beers but i think we did like 43 in the end yeah 44 yeah yeah so we had a few coming out each month and it was just logistical, like keep one keg of everything. Yeah. But, yeah. It was crazy. It was a crazy time. Yeah. But I remember the first sales call at National and Derek and Dylan were with me and I was like, guys, this is going to be like, you know, we got this. First sales call, three of us go in and we were with uh, Jake Clark at the time and who like we still keep in contact with. And she started talking about like, you know, I, I do my oh, sales pitch or what I thought what I thought was my decent sales pitch, and then she starts talking about water chemistry and stuff, and I'm like, oh god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mash temp for the stout and the Calgary's hard water and all these things, yeah. and we're all like, Derek's our chemist. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I I'll, I know those answers yeah, for and sure. And I'm glad you asked, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is why I came because I thought you'd be asking. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the core beers that you guys started with are those still your core beers? Just the oyster stout. Okay. Yeah. And which is my favorite, by the way. So <laughs> yes. I'm glad that uh, I really get the oyster. Everyone says that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no oysters were harmed in the manufacturing yeah. of that beer. <laughs> they were just straight up murdered. Yeah. yeah. No nervous system. <laughs> <laughs> Killing oysters is funny. Uh, okay. Dandy number two, which we're currently Sitting situated in. in. So when did it become apparent to you guys that? your first location wasn't going to work because, and I guess, was there an option to expand there or was it just like, okay, that's F it, a, we're going somewhere else. That's what we first looked into was getting the next bay and just due to some sort of logistic issues with sort of city utilities and things like that, the upgrades were not really feasible for, well, you know, that, so. Yeah, it was about 2016, I think, we started working on that. It was about six months of planning there and then just fell every, apart. Yeah, it just fell apart. We were upset for like two weeks until Ben uh, found this lovely location. Yeah, it was like a Friday. I remember it was like a Friday. Uh, We were going to Toronto for the steam whistle thing. And it was that Friday afternoon before we left. We got the call that it wasn't going to work with just knocking down the wall and expanding. Being pretty... Pretty cut up because we'd, we'd gotten pretty far down the road of designing everything and the system and planning. Alley Cat was doing it. Remember? Yeah, Alley they Cat was just, doing like, yeah. like taking over bay after yeah. bay after so bay. We were like, yeah, that's a great idea. Had that's everything what we'll do. planned out. And then I remember, yeah, me and Dylan were flying out to Toronto for the Steam Whistle Festival. And I remember getting on the plane and being like, 
Let's just like take the weekend to regroup, like just forget about it. And like Monday morning, we'll just like get back with a voicemail that there's like some great place. And like out of a, a fairy tale, that's no joke exactly what happened. I got back on Monday and our real estate broker was like, hey, so there's this really cool spot down in Ramsey you might want to come take a look at. And it was really? like, that's cool. So what was your vision when you guys started designing this place? Was food a part of it at the beginning? Always, yeah. It was, eh? Yeah, for sure. So in my mind, anyway, it changes the model to some degree. So so why was having food so important? Because, you know, like being a, a – I don't like calling you guys a brew pub because it's like there's just – but being a brew pub versus being a brewery is is different just in the mindset and, and stuff like that. So why was it important for you guys to have food at this location? I think it was a huge point of differentiation at the time. Like uh, there wasn't a ton of even brew pubs around at the time, you know? Yeah. And, and I think like definitely point of differentiation. I, I think the like sort of back to the brand question about dandy, like what is dandy and everything and sort of that idea that everyone can be a dandy. We wanted to sort of provide if you're in the area, like the full sort of experience. So the, yeah. the beer is one big part of that, but the food and the service and everything is all sort of makes you feel that well, way. It's part funny of the experience. Speaking yeah. of service, I was just wondering about that because I, I don't know, my beer is empty. But anyway, not <laughs> a big deal. But uh, I'm kidding, of course. That's called passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. We'll laugh. Okay, so let's talk about the food for a second because everybody I talk to – Scott Messenger, actually, he mentioned in his book a couple of times, I had him on the podcast a little while ago. Are people always surprised at the food that you guys have? Because it's not typical pub always. food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, because I'm always surprised, like even every time I come in and I already know what to expect. So, so what was that thought process for you guys in terms of elevated, like what you guys offer versus what people are expecting? Why, why did you guys want to go to that level? Well, I think like we looked in other markets, like Alberta, like didn't have obviously the the craft beer industry until 2013 2014 or sort of that growing one so we knew that it was evolving pretty quickly and sort of so we looked at other sort of areas and saw uh, band of bohemia in chicago uh torst in brooklyn and, and some other places in, in europe that sort of said like look all these wine bars are doing amazing things with food why can't beer do that and uh we had the opportunity to work with a really great chef and we thought like we could do that, you know, here, talking to Greg Zeschuk at in Edmonton and hear, hearing what he was doing there, even to the next level from us. And we we're like, yeah, maybe this could work. Question. If you save all your money for a rainy day, what are you doing on those sunny ones? You're not digging into some spicy tacos, not firing up that weekend getaway, and you definitely aren't tapping that add to cart button. Said differently, you're not living. And that's what life is for. So go ahead, live like it's sunny, tap like you mean it, swipe with a smile, and add it to your cart. But first, get the Brightside Banking app, because we can help save for rainy days while you're doing all that living. Brightside, the banking app that helps you do more. Download the app and use code BEER to receive $10 when you sign up. That's code BEER to get $10. So... Because you guys are kind of like, when I think of a brew pub, sometimes I think of the idea that most of the beer that gets sold there is 
literally being sold out the front door kind of thing or or from uh, customers being here. But you guys kind of have a, a hybrid of the models where you guys are very much distribution. So Matt, that would be kind of your area where you like you go into the liquor store. So you have like, are you primarily a distribution brewery? Or? Yeah. Say, I mean, since day one, it's been like we, we've wanted to have a strong retail focus. And, and I've been working towards that ever since day one with the GBD and the Stout. And I think it's, you know, especially in the times that we're in, it's, it's kind of worked well for us uh, to, get, to get that foot in the door early, to get some shelf space in, in some of the big players around the province. And I'm, I'm glad we have that, that model. And then, you know, when Dandy 2 opened and started running, you know, with a bigger facility, you know, we can make it even, even better with an elevated like dining experience too. So, yeah. So you mentioned, or you alluded to the, the, the challenges. So I don't know if you guys are familiar, but so COVID-19, uh, have you explain? Yeah, like I will. I, I have, yeah. <laughs> I, I Googled it. Uh, here's what it says. No. So, so maybe like would being a chemist have helped you guys in terms of like understanding what the, the challenges were to begin with or like, because it seems to me that you guys had the challenges Obviously, from the beer side, which is shit, are we going to be able to sell beer? Like you said, Matt, luckily, you're able to sell beer in liquor stores, and uh, those were determined to be essential services, essentially, right? So that's a, that's a godsend. But then you guys have a restaurant, and you know, obviously, we're sitting in an empty restaurant right now. And so there's challenges. You're not just talking about it from a beer side, from a brewery side, but now it's a, from a food side. So, Derek, maybe you can tell me about... What the last year has been for you guys from a brewery perspective? Like, what are the challenges and maybe how have you overcome some of the challenges? Oh, yeah, on the brewing side. Well, actually, so Dylan and I used to brew all the beers, but since COVID, I've been running the tasting room side of things a little yeah. more. So, okay. Yeah, so maybe that's not the best question for me. And we can go get Dylan from the back. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Dylan! Yeah. But no, uh, yeah, brewing wise, I think on the brewing side, things have been a little more stable. It's been like, when restaurants close, we lose all our keg accounts. So, you know, I was I run the quality here as well. So dealing with, you know, kegs, once they get to near the end of their lifetime, how do you, you know, assess their quality and deal with accounts, you know, working with Matt a lot closer this year, you know, with some older beer going out and then like moving more of our production into cans was an important right. thing. So like it was good that we did both like liquor stores and on-premise like bars and restaurants so that we could focus on what we needed to when these rules came into place. Yeah. You know? But just so. like everybody, like March of last year, we were like, everything shut down and, and we saw like the retail numbers come through and we're like, oh my God, people are yeah. drinking now. Like, yeah. <laughs> we really didn't expect Finally. that. So we're like, okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, we got into more like deliveries and pickups and stuff. Totally. We were always able to be open as a liquor store, you know, for off-sale pickups. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think doing everything sometimes before COVID made me think that it's wasted effort sometimes, but when things like COVID happen, you can focus on what still works. Or, yeah, you, know. you have a, a channel that you can be like, okay, this is the channel that's going to get us through this. Have you looked, and, and maybe it's too early to tell, but as we open up, do you think that some things might change permanently? In So what I'm thinking of, packaged like can product versus keg product. Like I've talked to some breweries that say, we're only kegging this beer now. We're not going to keg all this beer. So have you guys seen things that are like, you know what, this is going to be the way we're going to do things moving forward? Maybe not in the can keg split, okay. but generally speaking, 100%, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like online, online sales are not going away. Okay. You know, I don't think anyway. So like, I think there's always going to be a, 
a demand to some capacity for yeah. for ordering online just for yeah. just you know well when uh, covid first started i did this like 40 days in a row where i i talked to someone every day and, and one of the things that i remember talking about a lot with breweries was it's interesting when you get to have customers order directly because in certain neighborhoods you can see the data of what those oh, people are ordering. So right? it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And so you can go to those liquor stores and say, guys, this is what people in this neighborhood are ordering from you, right? You've totally. done it's exactly the greatest. That. Yeah. 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 It's one yeah. person in legacy and one per Tuscany yeah. per delivery day. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Naturally. Man. Those outliers, those outliers uh, are they are great. They're fun. They're great. Good, if you've yeah. got a great a podcast or uh, or playlist to listen to <laughs> going yeah. out to Tuscany and yeah. and Legacy, man. It's, it's but, a yeah, suburbs have been ordering a lot, which of, is really good yeah. to see. And maybe yeah. the people closer in swing by. Well, and- it's cool because I do that. Like I'd walk my dog around the neighborhood and I'd, there'd be these people during COVID and they'd be having like their little gatherings that they're in their front driveway and I'd just kind of be snooping. So they look like they thought that I was like the guy that was like going to be reporting them. Yeah. Right? But I was always just looking to see what beer they were drinking. Oh, yeah. And it was cool, man. Yeah. Like there were some like pretty awesome yeah. craft breweries that yeah. were represented. I yeah. was like, yeah, good for you guys. My, my neighbor three weeks in a row ordered Banded Peak and I finally had to go over there and be like, okay, <laughs> this is a problem. Look, we're going to have to have a chat. Yeah. Hey, I like Colin as much yeah. as the yeah. nice guy, but I'm your fucking neighbor. Yeah. Sure. Come back. <laughs> That's awesome. Although I will note that none of my neighbors were inviting me to have beers in the patio. Those look good, guys. Well, hey guys, how you doing? Just drinking some beers together. You guys look like you're pretty friendly. They're talking over your lawn. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So, other challenges outside of COVID. Are there things that? Uh, whether it's from an industry perspective or specific to Dandy, like what other things do you see out there that you guys got to, I guess, be careful of, be caught conscious of? Ben's jokes. For sure. No, you <laughs> laugh at them. Like, you're encouraging to redeem himself. It's not yeah. happening, man. <laughs> Have they always been penis heavy oh, in terms yeah. of like... Definitely. I'm going to say heavy. Racially <laughs> intensive. Yeah. Um, no, I think the challenge is... I'd say heavy. I'd say girthy for <laughs> sure. Around. Tuna can. Where was I? Oh, challenges. <laughs> Speaking of. Um, yeah, I, I think like anyone, the industry is changing pretty quick yeah. here. And not necessarily in a bad way. I think a lot of people are, are worried and there is a bit of sky falling sort of chicken littling maybe happening. But I think the industry is going in a, in a cool way. But it's definitely in the last five or so years, the most sort of like what happens next yeah. sort of period of the, of the industry. So I, I've kind of in the last, for me, like in the last five years, cause like you said, it's changing so much. And then I've, I've realized, Oh, it's, it's just always going to be changing. Like we kept waiting for it to kind of like, okay, stabilize, but it's like, there's always going to be an evolution in some breweries that's going to start doing this. And it's like, you know, yeah. it's not stressful at all. No, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no, no, not at all. And not at all. I haven't heard the word saturation point for a while, for, but yeah, it's more just the evolution of it. It's not yeah. like new breweries can't open. It's just, it's going to be more competitive. You yeah. Know? Totally. Or, you know, you got to, can't be four assholes like we were back in 2014. (laughs) You got to know what you're doing maybe a little more. I think you have to be a little bit more strategic in what your model is. Like back then, maybe you could just kind of like do it and then make that model work. Now it's like, okay, if we're going to start a brewery, 
And maybe even from a banking perspective, I don't know, maybe like you're probably getting asked a lot harder questions now than you were <laughs> 10 years ago. You know? yeah. Still don't listen to us. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think about that all the time when people ask if, if we do it again, would we do it the same sort of thing? And I think like again now or like go back in time because I don't think there's any way that Dandy One could exist or start right. the way it started where it started. Well, not if we wanted to, to pay, pay anybody. Right. Pay, yeah. Not if we wanted, wanted to pay to rent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it was such For the a, time. an interesting time. It was awesome. And I would do it a million times over, like yeah. say, exact same way at the exact same time. But yeah, I think it's just evolving. And yeah, we the do challenges. Like Dandy Fest at farmer's markets, run a restaurant and, a, you know, like we do everything. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you look to the future, like I guess what are trends that you think are coming up? What are you guys optimistic about? Like what's kind of your direction moving forward? Well, I think there's like quality, I think is like a big so you're gonna start point. making quality. You're gonna start trying to make <laughs> something good. Idea. Finally, good job. genius. Yeah. Don't tell them, Mike. Lose my job. Gonna, you know, I think it's no longer sort of an us and them craft beer and everyone else. It's there's beer for sale, and you have the choice to make whether it's going to be macro multinational or whether it's going to be local with like some more interesting styles. The we see it. The people buying craft beer are everyone now it's not like those first few years where it was like craft beer drinkers only so have to be a little more cognizant of that and and try to you know make sure that we're getting the name out there i think with dandy specifically like we've always wanted to grow and we're yeah. not going to stop you know like there's no point where we're going to put our heels up and say all right Get this is it boys this we're, is where uh, we wanted to be this is it. you yeah. know we, we always want to evolve and we want to grow totally and so yeah sometimes look for yeah opportunities to send a bit of beer you know to other provinces once in a while yeah so i'm gonna ask you about work-life balance because i saw ben's nice little camper van out there so is, is he the only guy that gets, that gets time off to to, to spend <laughs> with his loved ones no he actually lives in that thing so, <laughs> so the thing about starting <laughs> yeah. yeah let's get real for a second shall we oh well, there's your wife and kids hi <laughs> i just like to get my quarantine in every year just yeah. to make sure i'm you know taking a couple weeks off to yeah. recharge yeah exactly so they do they homeschool in the van yeah then? homeschool yeah. Yeah. The everything <laughs> deliver but what do you guys do when you're not working because one of the things i was thinking is with four of you guys on one level, it seems like it might be easier to take time off and to kind of like recharge and stuff like that. But then there's more people to answer to. So it might be actually harder because if you have one guy that's a workaholic, it becomes a pissing contest of who can work the most days in a row kind of thing. So where do you guys kind of land on that spectrum? It's evolved, man. Yeah. It's evolved so yeah. much over the last seven years yeah. since we've been a company. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, four is an interesting number to start a business with. I think benefits us as more than it, you know, hinders us. Like even I remember when we were going through the licensing for Dandy One, I didn't work a day job. Like I worked evenings and everyone else had a regular job. So, you know, doing all those inspections, being able to, you know, answer the phone during the day has helped out. You know, Dylan's almost a foot taller than me. So, you know, if I need to reach something, <laughs> I'll reach. And if I need to, you know, drop some gasket under a tank, I can yeah. crawl under and get it for him. But yeah. And then we all are quite different. We're similar, but we're different people in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, you know, we try and 
play to our strengths and weaknesses. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's been a good partnership. Yeah. Even just that we've lasted this long, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> surprising the, of, uh, like I said, the idea that you're still laughing at each other's jokes blows my mind. Yeah, um, come on, man. Penis jokes are funny. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like work-life balance. I think, I think we all go through different periods of workaholicism. And I think that it's definitely got, had to get used to it. Like all of us at different times. But I think that, if anything, it's good having four because you see if you are going down like a dark tunnel of working, you know, seven days straight, nonstop, you're like, oh, right. Like, I can take time off. Like, yeah. I remember. Time off day. And, you know, and you don't. Well, and everybody. Sort of that support. Like, what I like about, like, with our team is, like, everybody kind of has peaks and valleys, right? Yeah. And And hopefully you can kind of average each other out eventually. Yeah. Like, because yeah. ev- like, eventually you realize, okay, sometimes I'm just not, my head's not in it. I can see now that, you know, for me, it's like, okay, Bill's like really motivated now with the kid. That's good. Sometimes when I see him going down, I'm like, okay, that's okay. Cause I'm, I'm kind of there. So it, it is nice to have four people because you can't be on all the time. Right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, and plus you kind of have three and a half cause Ben, I, we still yeah, haven't yeah. determined what he does. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but also I think what helps with the four of us is like, it's, we're not four brewers or four salespeople right. or four whatever. So like we all have different sort of seasonality to our jobs, which maybe that's worse because when some of us are busy, some of us aren't busy and you're like, you're like, ah, but Matt, what are you doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm busy not being busy. It's yeah. January, man. Yeah. yeah. Just don't show up when you're not busy because <laughs> yeah. yeah. they'll probably get you to help. So as a company or individually, do you guys have a, do you have a mantra? Like something that <laughs> we've had so many over the years. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, and was Dylan's. Dylan's was always my favorite. Impossible to say. Impossible. Yeah, impossible. He doesn't say. even remember saying it. But impossible in that inappropriate so, but, or imp- no, like, no, no. I remember. So we were Dylan and I probably you know at the end of the day at Dandy One talking about so GBD and the oyster stout as you're talking about were our first and main kind of core beers, and I'm like, well, obviously the pale ale is going to sell more because like stouts are just it's a dark beer that freaks people out. The pale ale is just going to sell more, and he's like impossible to say and then yeah i ate my words even though i don't use that expression but that's like, a good sales pitch man i still say that oyster stout outsold the gbd by two to one yeah especially in the winter time yeah and so i was wrong so when we wanted to do in 2016 the 40 beers it was like we have to cut one of the cores to have enough tank space to do it and it was just like clearly the gbd and i was like yeah, I guess I was entirely wrong. But wow. luckily by then Dylan had forgotten about the conversation. Yeah, and so. now you've reminded him. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, okay. I want to ask kind of a technical question in that what is an oyster stout in that there is no oyster in an oyster stout? Well, so it's, I think, debatable and historically not definite whether there is or not. I've heard different, like, some people say yes, some say no, some say they boil the beer in the same pot that they boil the oysters in, impart some flavors. So breweries definitely make oyster studs with oysters, uh, like Big Rock did a few years ago, and like Noli or Northern Lights and Spokane's puts oysters in theirs. So for us, I think a lot of meat might give you some briny flavors. The shells can be used as a fining agent in the kettle instead of other things to help uh, clarify the beer a little bit. Other than that, yeah. You know, shellfish, al- shellfish allergies can be dangerous for people and things like that. We believe it's meant to be paired with oysters, not uh, okay. made with oysters. Because if I was to have guessed back in the day, I would have said 
that that wouldn't have done as well because the word oysters would have scared yeah. people off, right? It, so that's it's amazing happen. to me how well it's done, really. Totally. Yeah. We have that conversation constantly, actually. Actually, the, the original name was the Sweet Oyster Stout. Sweet Oyster, yeah. We went to our first Unity Brew and they told us, great beer, not sweet. We told them, oh, it finishes at, you know, whatever 10, 20 gravity. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, oh, that is really sweet. But with all the roast, it doesn't taste sweet. Just take sweet off the label. Yeah. It'll be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of worked. But That's hilarious. Okay, so as a company, have you guys had, I, I guess I call it two different things, either a favorite failure or an experiment that at the time wasn't awesome, but over longer period of time, it kind of was something that led to further success, if that makes sense. Well, like not moving into the next bay at Dandy One. Right. It sticks out to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, like that would be... Blessing in disguise for sure. Yeah. I mean, we learned so much from that, that Dandy Two is a little more simple, but I don't know if there's anywhere that we really like whiffled it. I know there's it's too there's hard. Some, I don't know. There's some things that like, I don't think we consider doing again. Like we released a, you know, like, in 2019, we had those the 3.5 Pilsner that yeah that I don't think we'll explore that again. Yeah, but, but it wasn't a total misstep. I think we learned some things quality yeah. sales wise, which is good, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's the idea. Is like sometimes it's like, oh, that wasn't the home run we were thinking about, exactly. but it gives you a perspective on you yeah. know something else. Yeah. Yeah. Not a total flop, but, but, but yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I'd say My like <laughs> we're, yeah. we're pretty thoughtful, and I think every time we go into making bigger decisions. It probably doesn't come off as a learning experience or a failure because we sort of know that if it goes south, it's still still getting something from it. But yeah, I don't know. With four people, it's really hard for a decision to make it all the way down the chain to really. Right, right. But at the same time, it's going to say, "Come on, we got must have fucked some more things up over the years." It's just been great the whole time. Yeah, but no, even, that's not even, true. <laughs> even the location, though, it's such a good point because, like, when you don't get the location that you had your heart set on, and you think, "Well, fuck!" Like, we put yeah. six months into this, and it's just like, "What's the point of any of this?" And yeah. then, and then to think that you know, the next location you, you look at is so perfect for you, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And I think like seeing the success, you know, the other place was in a light industrial area in the middle of nowhere and, and our tasting room had 20 seats and we were full all the time. So coming down to like a neighborhood, not, far, you know, like fairly inner city, realizing like that the tasting room will like, you know, if we build it bigger, it can benefit us more. Yeah. And things like that too. And about mantras, fake it till you make it. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was an early yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, better to be first than good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> better be. That's a good one. Okay. So I always ask people what their strangest habits are, but no one ever answers <laughs> that because, because no one wants to admit about. So, but it's, I thought it was cool with this. <laughs> is, so, what is Ben's strangest habit? Oh, according to us. Yo, yeah, of course. Because oh, that would imply that he'd be self-aware for me to ask him <laughs> that question. Self-aware. Uh, self-aware, yeah. Ben's weirdest habit? Oh, I don't know. Ben's Kate? mantra is, I have to pick up the kids. So what's Matt Strange's habit? Yeah, come on. What do I do that annoys the hell out of you? Derek? Yeah, that's really what I'm asking. I yeah. would say, no, that's always my favorite partner. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Dylan, if you listen yeah. to this later. Which he, what I've heard is that Matt doesn't wash his hands after he goes to the washroom. Is that true? Yeah, Derek, you know. Come he on. Yeah, he yeah. dry yeah. rubs <laughs> them on his hands. <laughs> yeah. he no, he turns the water on, so it sounds like he's washing yeah. his hands, but he doesn't. Do a little whistle. Yeah. 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 Matt's uh, too neat, I would say. That's the weird thing about him. He's, he's, a little, he's too neat? He's proper. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
I would never have guessed well that. Very well polished. I don't know. He showers. Not a hair. Yeah, yeah. he showers daily. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on. Okay, okay, so what's, uh, okay, well, Dylan's not here, so we can speak. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like, this will be easy because he's not. So what's Dylan's most annoying habit? Oh, he's batshit crazy. <laughs> 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 Dylan's most annoying habit. I don't know. Yeah, you guys are too nice well, to yeah, each other. I don't know. Well, we've already, we've had the fights, man. Yeah, exactly. Had, like, uh, I've like, come to terms <laughs> with everyone's yeah, Exactly. Yeah, they don't annoy like, me anymore. You know, yeah. <laughs> we make a yeah, concerted effort to make sure we're getting along. Yeah. Like if, After if, seven years, man, it, like we kind of, we, we know each other's triggers. So it's like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to push those buttons. Right. See, that makes you a better person than me. Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I could say having kids during the growth phases of the brewery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, stop doing that, guys. Stop having kids, guys. Uh, boy, do I have a story for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then, so then Derek's, what's Derek's most annoying habit? Uh, his skinny jeans all the time? His skinny jeans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. I, I like, like his skinny jeans. Something, I'm a, something, I'm, cats. I'm, I'm, something. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Specifically <laughs> pictures of cats. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's Does pictures ever, of weed plants I show you, not so much the cats. Oh, Does he true. talk to his cat on FaceTime? Yes. I just, when I first got my cats, I tell Matt, oh, my cats are great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, Every that was, day. That was great. Yeah. I was like, what? What? Oh, you're, you're trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was, oh, cat people. I'll right get you. Okay, so let's pretend for a second that you guys are a band because you guys are into music, right? So who's the lead singer? Uh, he organized the band, so yeah, he's yeah, just going to be the be, lead singer, it's right? It's probably Ben. Probably Ben. Oh, man. I'm like much big. I like... Stay off to the side. Okay, so who's the who? Uh, I was thinking we'd all be drummers, Beatles, bass players. <laughs> no, but Derek's the drummer for no, sure. No, like Dylan's the drummer. I play drums, but Dylan's like, the drummer. Dylan's the drummer because everybody wants to sleep with him. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, is that what happens with drummers? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> who's on cowbell? Probably me. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to put you on bass and me as uh, lead guitar and vocals. But, nice. But, uh, well, you know, give Ben, You're you giving know. yourself lead guitar and vocals. Yeah, I would, I would give myself those. Yeah, those. I guess. And so who would be the most likely to, to do their own solo act then? Who's going to separate and go do their own? That'd be me. Yeah. It'd be yeah. like a Dolly yeah. Parton cover band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about Alberta Beer Festivals for a second. Excluding Trevor, <sighs> who's your favorite person? Don. No, it's supposed to be me. <laughs> yeah, okay, Don. Actually, okay, excluding Don. Next time I ask that question, now excluding Trevor and Don. Yeah, no, Trevor is... Well, is, does Don help Can here sometimes? No. Okay, Trevor's, so been, Trevor's here. been here before. Okay, I want to do that sometime. And skiing with Trevor is like, my legs just are dead by the he end of the day. He is insane. So, yeah. I love skiing with Trevor. He's like my, well, again, like talking about all my neighbors who hang out and don't invite me to drink beer. <laughs> Trevor's the <laughs> one that invites me to go skiing with him. But he is like the funnest guy. He's, it might be the hash <laughs> talking. I don't know. But, uh, Okay, so again, another Alberta Beer Festival's plug. But aside from the festivals that we produce, what are you guys looking forward to when we get back to what I guess will be normal? What are you What are you looking forward to, and whether it's in life or whether it's in business? I can speak for myself, and I imagine it goes for these guys too. And they can chime in. Is like being in this industry the best part? Even on the worst days, is like sitting down and having beers with friends, and you know whether it's us here or going to another brewery and just hanging out or going to hang out at accounts and, and you know we're pretty close with everyone that we do business with and i think it, like i can't wait especially 
I don't know when this airs, but it's so sunny and nice out. And the thought of riding my bike down to 17th to catch a beer with some friends is like, it's killing me that that's not, not on the table right now. It's like the best part of the industry is that everyone's so tight and social and accepting and, you know, appreciative of what everyone does. So yeah, that's what I miss the most is not seeing. Everybody in the industry knows about festival fatigue. But man, I miss it. I know. I've I never thought. I've Oh shit! <laughs> I miss it though, man. Yeah. Like I can't. I can't wait to get back out there and see all the booths. Like see all our pals behind a booth, and then yeah. you know, talk, be front facing with customers. I can't. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. Especially, and this isn't kissing ass or anything, but like that, I find. Beer Fest in May is always sort of this kickoff to the season. Yeah. And it's, it feels like People, spring training or whatever. Yeah, like everyone's totally. back in the clubhouse. Oh, man, totally. And that first day you're setting up and it's hard to like focus on your own booth because yeah. you're just like walking around, cracking yeah. and, yeah. and hanging out. And like, I don't know, 2020 not having that, it feels so yeah. weird. No, and I, I, it, I'm the same way because like, you know, for us, it becomes a job after a while, right? And then all of a sudden you go a year without having it. It's like you realize like how grateful we will be to, to do it but even when we put banners up for the may one we'll get texts and we'll get like messages on facebook and stuff it's just like because people look forward to it. it's like for them they'll, they'll say stuff like oh it's like christmas coming like they see that there's the beer festival so i like the fact that it it, it has become an anchor like that so so random question maybe but an important one i think which is people always talk about supporting local so first of all like, are there ways that people can support local that may be beyond the obvious? Like, what, what is the most important thing for people to do to support local businesses? I think it's... Buy just from be local a, businesses? Yeah, buy. <laughs> like, <laughs> but be aware of, like, what, what it means and, and what you're comfortable with. Like, yeah. take five minutes to educate yourself if you're going to buy something. Yeah. Like, that goes so much further. Like, obviously, the dollars are pretty good, but putting the dollars there, but I think there's so much available local, not just in Calgary, but in Alberta and in Canada, that if you just take five minutes to to see what's out there, it, it goes a long way. And then you have something to talk about when your friend, like it just builds the awareness. And Totally. And so, because, and I, I agree with that. I think that people should support local. So let's say that's the responsibility of the consumer. And one of the things that I like about local beer specifically is that, this is first class beer. It's it's world class beer. So it's not like we're saying, listen, I know it's shit and there's chunks at the bottom of the glass, but just for the love of God, would you just <laughs> buy the beer from them? <laughs> You're making good beer. So there's a responsibility I find though from the side of the consumer, but then from the side of like people like yourself, what is the responsibility if we're going to tell people to support local for local businesses? What What's their responsibility in that side of the, the equation? Getting the word out a little bit more. Yeah, getting the word out, but also just well, like accessibility. Accessibility, like being able to do, yeah. Like deliveries. If people, you know, don't feel comfortable coming into the restaurant, but they want off sales, they live down the block. You know, we have our walk-up window, so they can kind of still be outside. I think it's things that trying to meet everybody's needs. Yeah. When everyone's got a different level of comfort. Because I, I like, I obviously subscribe to the whole support local, and it's one of our mantras at ABF. But I I never like when it's used almost as guilt marketing. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Your 100%. Only, if that's your marketing yeah. angle, it's like, come on, guys. Like, you can do yeah. better than and that. And generally right? speaking, too, it's like local's not 
always better. But if a local business is yeah. making a good product, yeah, support yeah. them. You know. No, absolutely. And I see that, you know, from my perspective, I think a lot of consumers, what COVID's done to some degree is they've seen how connected we are to local businesses. And when you support local businesses, we've seen local businesses thrive through COVID, which is really good. And if not thrive, at least survive, you know what I mean? And they realize how important it is to put that those dollars towards local businesses. So, and they've also probably learned that actually, yeah, these local businesses are doing some kick-ass things, right? So yeah, definitely one of the silver linings of COVID is that I think people do appreciate, you know, the businesses they have in their community a little more. So yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. And yeah, accessibility is definitely the the king on that one. Like I think it forced a lot of us to say like, oh shoot, maybe we do need to be better at making those connections. And I think in Calgary, especially this is, I hope not too off topic, but like, I think when the boom happened outside of Calgary and even within the Calgary, like super craft beer scene, there was a lot of hesitancy that it's like, oh, well, it's just because it's the boom that there's so many breweries and, but they're all sticking around. They're all making world-class beer. And now, now all of a sudden it's like Calgary's on the stage with the Portland's and the Vancouver's and the Toronto's of like, oh, it's, it's not just... Calgary oil money building breweries now. Like there's actually substance here that is spectacular. Like last time we did the Jasper show, you know, Steve Dressler from Sierra Nevada was there and he said, he's like, this is my favorite festival to go to. And the beers here are first class. And this is a guy who helped essentially create the craft beer industry, right? So it's, it's, it's cool to see, you know, how far the Alberta industries come in a reasonable, relatively short amount of time. But really, again, what COVID's done is it's proven like how many people in the industry just completely give a shit about what they do. Like it's not, they didn't just see a gap in the market. Like they've been grinding it out this year and it, it's it's awesome to see. So Definitely. I agree. Okay. So we've talked about dandy at nauseum. (laughs) But what's the takeaway message? Like what should people know about you guys? I think we make the beers we like to drink. Yeah. Is like Yeah. You know I think we care a lot about our product, beer, food, the service in the tasting room and with our accounts and things. And I think yeah, we just want to make a really good product and be dandy. Always. Keep people happy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what's the most obscure thing on the food menu or like that's ever been on the food menu? You know what? I've Uh, I've learned to like even though there's things on the on the food menu that I've never heard of, I've always I've I've learned over the years to trust in merit, and it doesn't matter if, oh, if yeah. anybody's never heard of them. You just gotta fucking try it, and yeah. it will blow your socks well, off. Staff meal, yeah. yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Beef Something, tongue was. Oh yeah, I found that beef one. Tongue. Yeah, we did. Tripe, tripe, tripe yeah. was was a polarizing one a little bit. Tough but the people me. who loved it, there was like locals. Once, but maybe in terms of unique things. For but me, tripe for would me. be chalked up to unique. I would think. I don't even know. What <laughs> yeah, that you is. can buy tripe, you know, in Englewood. But okay. we uh, the uh, octopus. A lot of people have been asking yeah. recently, like, uh, and it was like beautifully presented, very tasty, like really nice texture, not too tough. And so now that we've well, in some of the reopenings, people ask, "Is octopus still on the menu?" And unfortunately, it isn't right now. But it's yeah, on our logo, though. Merit super creative. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> on every piece of clothing I own. <laughs> <laughs> well. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. It's awesome. Let's face it. If you guys were to do it all over again, Ben probably wouldn't be at the table with us. But uh, 
it is what it is, right? Yeah. So, no, you guys Go are awesome. Like I said, you guys give a shit about what you do and it's just been fun watching you guys and, and the journey. So thanks for letting me sit down with you guys and chat over a beer. All right. Yeah, yeah, thanks, yeah, Mark, right? thanks, man. Thanks. Hey, everybody. I hope that you're loving our special Let's Meet for a Beer mini-series. It's been great to share stories of local breweries and learn more about Brightside's Friends with Benefits program. Don't forget to download the Brightside app so you can start saving at places like Martaloop Brewing, Dandy, Bitter Sisters, and Inner City, and make sure that you put that extra $10 to good use. Also, please listen to the other episodes in our Calgary mini-series to learn more about other local breweries. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Have an awesome day. 